You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group, Lavazza, and American National Insurance. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Angostura. If you've ever made a cocktail at home, you've most likely shaken Angostura bitters into your cocktail at the very end of the cocktail making process. In addition to bitters, Angostura has been making world-class rum for more than 130 years. The next fall cocktail you make, Try the beautiful, smooth flavor of Angostura rum. It will transport you to the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago. The House of Angostura will celebrate its 200-year anniversary of turning drinks into cocktails in 2024. Cheers, everyone. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Lavazza. Four generations of the Lavazza family have been working to perfect the art of blending coffee since 1895 with a devotion to making coffee moments special. Signature blend Lavazza Classico, with its intensely rich flavor and sweet aromatic notes, is a celebration of the Italian way of life in every cup and is available any way you brew your coffee. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to To Dine For, the podcast where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Jen Sincero. Fear is your compass when it comes to really changing your life because you're scared to let go of the old identity and step into the new one. So do something scary every day that's in the direction of your goal. Jen Sincero is a writer, author, and coach. Her book, You Are a Badass, that is celebrating its 10th year in publication, was a number one New York Times bestseller. It was developed into 40 languages, and it has spawned calendars, motivational buttons, day planners, and the follow-up books. You Are a Badass at Making Money, You Are a Badass Every Day, and the You Are a Badass journal that is coming out very soon. It was fascinating to hear what led Jen to write this book 10 years ago and how it has dramatically changed her life since then. Please enjoy my conversation with author Jen Sincero. Hi, Jen. Thank you for doing this. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. 
This is going to be a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm going to start this podcast the way I start all my podcasts, which is by asking your favorite restaurant, or more precisely, if you could take me anywhere to dine, where would you take me? That's a hard question because I love <laughs> to eat. Well, I'm going to say the most cons- just ambiance and food wise, and just it's so good. There's a restaurant called Izanami. 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 It's Japanese. It's in Santa Fe. There's a spa, a Japanese spa called 10,000 Waves. It's on the ski mountain. Mm. Not all the way up, but on the mat. So it's in the mountains. It's so, I mean, my God, the, it's so beautiful. And the restaurant is sort of part of the spa. So it's got this vaulted roof with these beautiful beams. And just the way they've designed the whole place feels so good. You can sit on the floor without your shoes on and eat if you want, or sit at a table. You can wear a robe because if you just came from the spa. So I think like dining barefoot in a robe in a really oh, kind of my fantasy. Doesn't that sound fabulous? Yeah. Dining in a robe overlooking a beautiful vista. You've just yeah. had a spa treatment and it's delicious Japanese fare. Yeah. Pretty great. And Santa Fe, is that where you live now? Yes, it is. Okay. So this is a really wonderful launching point for a conversation. So thank you for sharing your favorite restaurant. Sure. Let's begin back in your early 20s. You were a writer. And who did you want to be when you were 21, 22, 23? An internationally famous rock star. (laughs) Truly. Oh, yeah. No, I was in a band. I was working at a record company. I was, yeah, I really wanted to be a rock star. And clearly you had a talent for writing because you did a lot of freelance writing, correct? Yeah. In my my 20s, I was actually working as a copywriter, writing advertisements for the record company I worked at. And I was writing song lyrics and stuff like that. I didn't write my first book until I was in my 30s. And I wrote you know, a little novella in college, but my real writing started in my 30s. And was that Don't Sleep With Your Drummer? Yes, it was. That was your very first book. Yeah. And it was sort of based on the rock and roll stuff I was doing. Okay. So it's so funny when you begin to try to understand people's career trajectory. I know at some point you started to host business development Um, events for ladies who launch. Can you take me from writing that book, Don't Sleep With Your Drummer, to how you got into that role? You know, I wrote the book and it went the way most books go, where you get a little advance and you hope to maybe make that back for, you know, whatever. So it did, it did well. It actually got optioned by HBO to be turned into a television show, which was very exciting. Awesome. Yeah. But it just never really went anywhere. And I didn't make any money. And then I wrote the straight girl's guide to sleeping with chicks and the same yes. thing with like, it had a good, it was well received, but I just, I didn't make any money. I didn't even clear my advance on either one of those. So basically, and this is after when I wrote those, I'd moved to Los Angeles. I was living in New York before that. And, um, you know, I was trying to make it as a writer. And so I was freelance writing for the record company at the time. So I was just like these little writing jobs here and there. And I was just so, so broke all the time. And so I went to this ladies who launched meeting. This friend of mine was like, there's this women entrepreneurial think tank. And, you know, I think we should go on. It's it's to help you sort of like launch your business. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life. Like, I can't launch a business. <laughs> I don't know what my business would even be. But I had this sort of intuitive fit that it would be good to go, even though it cost like a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or something, which I, I was living in. This is when I was living in the garage in the alley. Like it was so bad. 
And, uh, but I just was like, I got to do something. So I went and, you know, we'd go around the room and everybody would talk about the businesses they were starting and would get to me. And I'd be like, I got nothing. <laughs> but by the end of those four weeks, I realized what the business I wanted to do was to be one of the facilitators of ladies who launch. Like I realized like I had really good ideas for people's businesses. I was kind of an intuitive coach. And so the woman who was running it needed help and hired me. And so that's how I sort of got started with the whole coaching thing. That is really interesting. So what was it about you that said, this is the environment I want to be in? And it's also an environment that I feel like I could add to or, or help. It was very surprising because I was such a train wreck in my own life, but I was really good at telling other people what to do. Which is kind of my <laughs> hey, that is a talent. That's a talent, Jen. Clearly you haven't <laughs> gotten really far on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I just had good ideas. Like I could just sort of for better and worse, I um, everybody who would bring up a, a business they were starting, you know, they'd be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make handmade soaps." I'd be like, "That's what I should be doing. I should be making handmade soaps." And then, like, the next person would be drilling wells in Africa. It's like that's what I should be doing. So I literally felt like I was supposed to become everything. But I think that so the worst part was it made me completely confused and so unhinged in my own direction. But it also I was really good at sort of empathizing with what they were going through and really putting myself in that position, which I think is is good when you're a coach is to really get inside of not just the business, but also the feelings around it and, and the desire to do it and all that stuff. So I think that was when I realized that I was good at helping people figure out what to do. And also helping people to see their own greatness, right? Like people are in such a silo and they're in such their own world. And there is so much self-doubt and that runs the gamut from the least talented person to the most talented person, right? We all have a sense of, are we good enough? Um, We doubt what we have in this world. So when you're seeing so many people who are hoping to become entrepreneurs, is that giving you a lot of data points for how to be a badass, right? How to see how it's done. Absolutely. And the thing, especially that was just so incredible to me is that we're so unoriginal as human beings Mm -hmm. when it comes to the stuff that we obsess about and, and feel badly about ourselves about. And we're, you know, there are such patterns with the stuff we get hung up on and and negative beliefs and all that stuff. I was like, wow, this is why therapy works. This is why coaching works because you can predict how people are going to respond to certain situations because we're not that creative in how we, how we come back at things that are traumatic or negative or whatever. It's, it's, it was really interesting to me to sort of study just the human psyche in that way. You are a badass was, um, I believe published in 2013. Was that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's our 10th year anniversary. That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So if you had to pinpoint your inspiration for when that first started percolating, mm-hmm. where did that come from? What were you thinking? You'd already written two books. They hadn't mm-hmm. been a financial success. Clearly you love to write. How did you say, okay, this is what I want to write about? Uh, it was because I read every single self-help book under the sun when I was, <laughs> you know, in between, when was it? I was living in the garage and freelancing and, and, and so and I'd started working for ladies who launch and I still wasn't making that much money though even though I was getting paid by them like it was I was making about 35 grand a year wow and so I was I was just like reading all the books and trying to figure out what my problem was and um and I'd and I'd hired a life coach like a business coach who was kicking my butt and it was great and I was seeing 
such huge financial changes in my life that were literally impossible. I was in my forties at this point and I had a lifetime of proof that I sucked at making money and that I was too hung up to ever make it work. So I had not only my own successes that were absolutely mind boggling to me, but also I had read all these books that were mm-hmm. amazing and helped me so, so much, but none of them were funny. Mm-hmm. None of them used mm-hmm. curse words. None of them <laughs> were like, it's short and to the point. Cause I'm kind of impatient. So I was yeah. like, because I was already a writer, I was like, I could write the hell out of a self-help book. So that's yeah. from. And you wrote it for yourself. It sounds like, of course. yeah, you wrote it for yourself, which is like the first rule of writing. What yeah. did your, what did you mention that you got a business coach? What did that business coach teach you and what, how did that shape your journey? Oh, everything. She totally changed my life. So she basically helped women entrepreneurs with their finances and their wealth consciousness. You know, making money is all about your mindset as as is everything. Mm -hmm. So I just saw her speak at some event and I felt like she was totally speaking to me and I paid her I think it was like a third of my annual income, which was, you know, I wasn't making money, but it was terrifying. Put it on my credit. Terrified. Wow. What a risk. Oh, well, I know, but I was like, I've got to do something because clearly what I'm doing is not working. So anyway, so I hired her and she basically helped me come up with an online business um, coaching other writers. Cause she's like, you've got two books published. Mm. You've got credibility as a writer. Women entrepreneurs need nonfiction books to give themselves some street cred. So she's like, why don't you teach them how to write their book proposals? And, you know, of course I was like, I'm a rock and roller. I don't want to be the book proposal lady. And and the one thing she said to me that was so brilliant, she's like, well, do you want to be broke and cool (laughs) or rich and cheesy? Because I was like, I'm (laughs) in marketing, so cheesy. So anyway. Rich and and cheesy, please. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So she, and she just kicked my ass. She made me double my prices every time I did it. She made me go to all these network working. She didn't make me do anything, but she, you know, I went to all these. She encouraged you. Yeah. No, and she was really, really good. So yeah. So I ended up tripling my income in three months. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. 
To Dine For, the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by Angostura. If you've ever made a cocktail at home, you've most likely shaken Angostura bitters into your cocktail at the very end of the cocktail making process. In addition to bitters, Angostura has been making world-class rum for more than 130 years. The next fall cocktail you make, try the beautiful, smooth flavor of Angostura rum. It will transport you to the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago. The House of Angostura will celebrate its 200-year anniversary of turning drinks into cocktails in 2024. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. Okay, so at this juncture in your life, you're also beginning to write the book, right? And you're drawing on the experiences of not only all the self-help books you've, you've read, but also all the entrepreneurs you've met, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's a question that a lot of people would have is, you are a badass. At that moment in your life, did you feel like a badass? Um, I certainly felt like more of a badass. Sure. And, and yeah, because I felt like it was such an insurmountable thing for me, this money thing. I had so many hangups and I was just so deeply ensconced in my poverty consciousness. You know, I just, it really felt like people who made a lot of money were almost a different species than I was. It was so mm. big for me and it seemed so impossible. And the fact that I got over it and actually started making money easily doing something that was kind of fun. Mm was unheard of. So I felt I really, I was, I did definitely feel like a badass myself in that moment. But I also was just like, you know, when you discover something so exciting, you just, you're like, you guys, look what I did. You got it. You can do it too. So it was really, I was so excited to share it with people. And I also was really excited to write a funny self-help book. Yes. It became a number one New York times bestseller for years, right? It was, and it took, it took a little while to get on the New York times bestseller list. Yeah. Three years. Talk to me about that journey and what do you think did it? How do you think you got traction? I'm sure there'll be some would be writers um, listening in. Yeah. If you had to pinpoint a secret or, or something that helped, what was it? Well, it's very unusual the way that book happened. That is so incredibly not normal. Usually you hit the bestseller list within the first three months because you're right. if your publisher gets behind you, the whole bestseller listing is so wonky and there's, right. there's no real, but usually if they feel like they have something, it could be a hit, they'll put all their guns behind you and, you know, really try and get you on the list. They did not do that with my book. And honestly, <laughs> nobody wanted to publish it. So all these, any really? writer... We, I got rejected by every single publisher on planet earth. And you did. Like, yeah, they were like, the world really needs another self-help book. There's like, a <laughs> you know, them out there. And I was like, I know. And they're like, you know, you're not saying anything new. And I was like, mm. I know I'm saying it in a new way. That's the point of this mm. book. But anyway, 
this one publisher took a chance on me. And then, so I got sort of a meager advance, no, you know, the basic support that you get when you get sort of a low end publishing deal. Uh, and then like a couple years in, they, they call me, they're like, what are you doing to promote this? I was like, well, I sent it out to my email list. Like thinking I was such, it wasn't, had nothing to do with me. Basically what happened was people bought it and if they loved it, they would buy 10 copies because it was so unique. Mm. It was the kind of book that if it hit, if it really resonated with you, you wanted all your friends to read it. So it was literally just people buying it for all their friends and then their friends buying it. And it just, I call it the yellow snowball because it just became this thing that had a life of its own. It was and it was incredible. It's a testament to the quality of the work. I mean, it, it's so refreshing to say that because so often people's books blow up for other random reasons because it gets on TikTok, right? Like your book, <laughs> your book, your book actually resonated with readers, which is why you hope to write a book. And then they gave it to friends. It has a fabulous title. You are a badass. How did you come up with the title? And were you afraid that that I'm not, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. How did that explain that day that you came up with that title? Well, that title actually was the most difficult. My first two books flew out of me and I'm a copywriter by trade, right? So I'm really good at one-liners and chapter headings and book titles. And so when I wanted to write this self-help book, I could not, it, it, my friends literally were screening their calls. They're like, oh my God, it's Jen calling about her damn title again. Like I cannot talk about this anymore because I was like, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted the title to sort of bust people when they looked at it to be like, I see you. And I know, I don't care how much of a loser you may feel like right now. Like, I know that you've got this little like light inside of you and I see it. So I knew what I wanted it to say. Yes. And I had a friend who had a website called Hey Little Badass. And I just thought it was so cute. And I never used the term. I never would be like, Hey, you're such a badass. I never used that word, but it was the only word I could think of that sort of summed up what I was trying to say. And thank God, because it really worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic title and it does sum it up. You know, it's funny when I was doing some research on your background, when you Google Jen Sincero, one of the things that comes up is how do I contact Jen Sincero, which I think is really so interesting because it shows how many people when they read your book, not only feel connected to you because you are so personal, you are frank, you are vulnerable. But I think the swearing and the fun about it makes people feel like they know you and they actually yeah. want to talk and you care about them because you wrote it for someone. Yeah. What was it like when it really got popular with all of the people who wanted a little piece of you? Did you find that fulfilling, invigorating or were you like, ah, that's enough? It was weird. I wasn't expecting it, but you know, and I have to say when I wrote Don't Sleep With Your Drummer, my first book, like I was so excited that it was out in the world, but I also, it was this really weird, I had this weird sort of violated feeling that like a stranger is having this one-on-one -on -one experience with my book, which is like my heart out yes. in the world. It was really, I mean, of course it's what you want and it's what you're asking for. So, right. you know. But at the same time, I was like, it was a little intimate, you know? I, and would, I would feel naked, you know, I would yeah. feel a little bit naked. Like, wow, this this is what exactly what I wanted. But wow, they can see see it yes. and see me. Yeah. Exactly. So that that was my first experience with it. And then with the way Badass blew up, it definitely was a learning curve for me, I have to say. Of course, I'm so grateful anybody even read it and cares about it and wants to talk to me. Like, what an honor. And I'm I mean, seriously, 
And at the same time, it is a little weird. And so it's taken me some, I, was, I always thought there should be some kind of support group for this kind of thing. Because I was like, <laughs> I can't really even talk to anybody about this because I sound like a big jerk, first of all, right? Like, anybody wants to be my friend? <laughs> but, uh, but, no, but then, but you know, anyway, I've certainly, I've definitely learned how to just have a good boundary up around it, honestly, and be totally appreciative. And it's, I'm totally good with it now, but it was something I had to work through. Well, and also when you reach the status that you reached with that book, you become a thought leader, right? Like I'm sure when you wrote this, you weren't thinking in the back of your head, this is going to establish me as a thought leader, but you are a thought leader and people then want to hire you. They want to be in your presence. They know that your coaching resonates and you reach a whole new level of success. What was that like after spending many years struggling, as you said, in the garage. Uh What was it like to be in a position that you had never been in your life? It was awesome. It was really, really, and it was really fun because then I didn't have to work so hard to get the clients. I didn't have to do the slogging stuff that I hated. I just got to do the fun stuff. It was, it was, oh my gosh, I'm still just so grateful and so amazed. (laughs) It was a bullseye. I also think that I, my timing was a total bullseye because mm-hmm. I was the first one to do the funny self-help book. Now they're everywhere and they all have curse words in them and all that stuff. They're all over the place. The timing was on my side. Your your work was a lot about the power of positivity and changing your mindset and going over a, a metaphor of a, of a bridge from one mindset to another, right? Mm-hmm. And literally changing someone's mindset. Can you talk a little bit about just off the cuff about the power of that, not only how it worked in your life, but how you Mm. tried to convey that through the book. Oh gosh, it's everything, everything. I mean, and and I always think about it sort of in terms of exercising, like when you are exercising and you've decided you're going to do 25 sit-ups and then you're at 18 and you're like, I can't do any more. And that's a mindset, right? And, Mm -hmm. but if you're like, nope, I decided I'm doing 25. Like there's a time when you really like riding a bike up a hill, when, when you're sort of negotiating with yourself, whether you're going to stop or keep going Mm -hmm. and both options are available to you. It's just a mindset. And so same thing with everything, with making money, same thing, same thing with every single thing. It really starts with your mind in that, in that negotiation part, but also as far as like the cosmic consciousness goes, our thoughts do create our realities in so many different ways where what you focus on, you create more of, and everything is frequency. Like this is a much bigger conversation, but really that whole thing about frequency and getting good at thinking positive thoughts that are in the direction of what you want helps it manifest in physical form. That's awesome. Was Santa Fe and where you live now part of your vision for your life? Or how did you find yourself? Oh, God, I've always loved I'm from New York originally, and I went to college in Colorado, and I went on a little road trip with a friend and came to New Mexico. And the second I stepped foot here, I was like, this is the place. So before living in Santa Fe, I lived in Albuquerque. Also, when I left New York City, I moved to Albuquerque, and that's where I was in a band and doing a million things. And then I moved to LA, and then I've always been wanting to get back here because it's really kind of home to me. And the, the energy and the beauty, and it's so different. It's so unique. 
It is. It's got a light, like the light here, you know, they call it the land of enchantment. And I really do. I mean, it is also very slow and people can't get their act together in so many infuriating ways, especially being from New York. I'm like, seriously, people, does it need to take this long? But I do believe that it's this light kind of hypnotizes you in the big sky and the red earth. And yes. I just love it. You, you, you want the enchantment, but you want it to be fast. You want speedy enchantment in your life is what you're exactly. telling me. <laughs> Better drivers. I'll just take that. Are you in the midst of writing another book? Are you done writing? Are you hoping to write? Where are you in that journey? You know, that's an excellent question. I'm actually in a plate. Well, at the moment we are releasing a so it's the 10 year anniversary of You Are a Badass. So I went on tour in the spring and we're doing a journal, which I'm so excited about. We've been, I've been wanting to do that for years. So we're doing, I'm finishing up the journal. We're doing a deck of cards, kind of like angel cards. And then in, in September, early October, the You Are a Badass Ultimate Collector's Edition comes out. It's going to be a hardcover. I've written a new chapter for it. We have testimonials from people who read the book over the past 10 years and how they've used it to change their lives. So I'm super excited about all of these things. So that's what I've been working on this year, which has been so fun. I got to do all the fun stuff without having to write a new book. Well, very, very few people, like even if you look at just the, the echelon of, of people, New York Times bestsellers, even if you look at number one New York Times bestsellers, have been able to create a franchise and a business like you have. You know, uh, you're a badass at making money. You're a, you are a badass journal. Like you have really create, you have developed this into a multi-tier business in a way that very few authors have. It kind of lends itself to that. I felt like, you know, like this coaching stuff, there's always, first of all, you need to hear it over and over. So you a do. lot of the books are saying the same stuff in different ways, just trying to like get it in there. And, you know, I certainly, I've, I've read the same book a million, I read The Science of Getting Rich a gazillion times. And every time I read it, I got something new out of it. Mm -hmm. So I was really excited, you know, the habits book and just sort of taking the concepts and applying them to specific things that I know my readers are working on just kind of seemed like a no brainer to me, you know? And so after this year with all the 10 year anniversary stuff, I'm going on tour again also, which I'm so excited. Books happen when I can't shake them off my leg when I get an idea and I'm like, fine, I'll write you now. Yes. I don't have anything right now that's that's nagging me. So I'm not sure, but I'm really excited to discover it. I read an article that said that when you reached, when you became a best-selling author and you reached a level of success, you look forward to just looking at the birds out the window, right? For so many people, this first of all, this conversation is so inspiring on so many levels because when you see someone when you see a story, you see yourself in a story and then you see what someone yeah. was able to do. It is truly inspiring. But the fact that you got, most people don't have an answer as refreshing as I, I love just looking at the birds <laughs> because that's what we all dream of doing, right? Is having free time. Well, let me tell you something about looking. So I did, like, I was like, cause, cause honestly, I'm a very reluctant writer. It is not my favorite. It's really hard for me, you know? So I'm a little grouchy about it. I'm trying to change that mindset, but it isn't, I'm not, I have friends who write every day who can't wait to write, who love it. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? But, <laughs> you know, so with the, with the birds and everything, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm not under contract anymore. I'm going to just sit around and I'm going to retire. And so I just was like reading books and doing the crossword puzzle and looking at birds. And I then, love I the got, answer. then I got bored. 
But that's what you don't, don't you want? Everyone dreams of getting bored, especially mid-career, right? Like when you're in the yeah. throes of a career, the, the idea that you could be in a financial position where you could look at the birds and get bored right. is like a dream. A that is it's a dream. A Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, you know, how I'm, I said on Google, people, you know, how do I contact Jen Sincero? Do you still do personal coaching? Do you do any coaching or are you still looking at the birds? Um, you know, um, I'm still looking at the birds. I'll never stop <laughs> looking at the birds. <laughs> and, you know, part of me being bored, you know, I decided it's interesting. You know, my whole life, most of the things I did, what were financially motivated, right? You've got to support right. yourself. So I was, I was very ambitious. I was very motivated and I loved the music stuff. I loved doing that. And so, you know, obviously it was fun too, but having that piece removed, which is still just flabbergasting to me that that's not my motivation anymore. It kind of pulled the rug out from under me. Cause I, I wasn't motivated, right. I was bored, but I was unmotivated. And I was like, that's not a very great combination. So I came up with this thing where now, when I decide if I'm going to do something, the three things I ask are, is it going to be fun? Mm -hmm. Is it going to give me energy or deplete my energy? And does it have meaning? So that's mm -hmm. what I'm sort of running everything through the filter of now. I love that. Yeah. So, so it's, I mean, what a luxury to be able to decide from that place. So we'll, you know, we'll see once the book, the 10 year stuff is done and we're sort of rolling into new things. Um, I don't know, but I'm looking for signs all over the place. It's, it's just, it's so great, you know, really. Two questions. Because we are on the 10 year anniversary of You Are a Badass, when you had to reflect and go through You Are a Badass, are there mm -hmm. any parts you would amend or change? And what do you feel wasn't in there? Oh. And, I know, and I know you wrote a, a, an extra chapter, but, and you can yeah. answer this however you want. What wasn't in there that you believe should be? You know, first of all, I don't want to touch that thing. Like that is the magic book. I just really like the fact that it is so successful. I don't know, honestly, why. And I'm just like, I'm not messing with that thing. So right. I wouldn't change anything. We did clean up, but the amount of typos, it's incredible. Like we've had, <laughs> we've had very skilled people over the years and we still keep finding typos. It's so interesting. Wow, how millions of copies sold and still typos. Right. And, and, and I'm sure we'll still find some, like, it's so funny how the brain sort of doesn't see them when it knows what it's reading. So yeah. anyway, a lot of typos, you know, it's 10 years old. So there were some things that are not quite so PC, the languaging mm -hmm. around it. So I cleaned up all of that. I added the chapter on intuition uh, which I was really happy about that because because I am definitely getting more into meditation and more just really more into the wickety woo cosmic reality that surrounds. You're in us. Santa Fe for God's sake! I know, right? I know. you no, got I, to be. I will say something. L.A. kicks Santa Fe's ass in the woo, -woo department. Like <laughs> you guys, are like oh my God, I'm going deeper into the belly of the, of the crystal beast. But L.A. wins, in my opinion. But Santa Fe is a pretty close runner up. So I would say probably with you, are badass, honestly, I wouldn't add anything excepting the intuition chapter. Um, and yeah, and I was really excited to clean up a bunch of stuff that needed to be dealt with. So, well, your life is a testament to following your intuition and your your coach. I believe her name was Gina DeVee, right? Your business yeah. coach, how yeah. she led you and how you were attracted to ladies who launched and the work you did there. I mean, every step has led you to this moment. And so you you're someone who clearly followed your intuition. How do you think you have changed from when you wrote that book to now? Like what what is the biggest lesson oh. you've learned about yourself? 
You know, one lesson that I was honestly relieved to learn is that I'm generous because I was such a tightwad for so long because I was so <laughs> pinched off about money. And I was like, oh, good. It's just that I was in total panic about it. I'm not a greedy. So I am generous, which I really did not know. That's a good discovery. Really? I was so yeah. Gosh, I mean, and just that I'm more capable of so much more than I gave myself credit for. Because the money thing really, it was, I mean, I was, I'm in my forties. I was really attached to the things that were keeping me back and mm. really learning about how we have the capability to unattach from that. We're addicted to that. Like it gives us our identity and that we feel grounded on earth with this identity and unattaching from our negative beliefs and thoughts literally sends us out into the void of the unknown. Mm. And that's terrifying. So a lot of people will cling to those things and totally subconsciously just because it's quote unquote real to them and the terror of the unknown, even though it's going to could be a gazillion times better and probably will be, they're not willing to do it. You know, it's like staying in an abusive relationship because it's familiar, you know, we do it to ourselves all the time. So that I really understand in a way that I don't think I ever understood it before. Just like how liberating it is and how, if you can make that unhooking from those things, exciting as well. It's going to be scary, but the excitement part is what you got to focus on. So, Well, and also the self-actualization part of your story, the fact that you wrote the words for yourself and then you became the words. Yeah. You, you weren't really the words when you wrote the book. In essence, you were envisioning a better life and you actually stepped into it. That's true. I mean, I did step into it in a bigger way. I had already, however, like tripled my income and done like I had these experiences that made me believe in all the, your thoughts, you know, your thoughts yeah. create words, your reality, words, like all that stuff that I was like, come on people. Like it can't be that. And when I got that, it really was, that was the part that really inspired me. But of course it's gotten so much bigger from there that just absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. Success begets more success. Yeah. And, and that that energy, right? Uh, really, really, really cool. If you had advice to give to someone who is in a garage, who has a creative pursuit in their mind, who doesn't know how to get over themselves, where do they mm. start? Where do they start? Well, my best piece of advice, and I say it all the time, and I make myself do it every time I remember to. I mean, honestly, reading self-help books and doing all this stuff, it really is just about remembering. You know all the stuff, right, by this point. Just remembering, but just remember to do something that scares the crap out of you every day. Like if you do something in the direction of your goal that is terrifying, and I, I call it terrorcitement, like terrifying and exciting at the same time, your life will change so quickly. You won't know it hit you because that's, it's that terror. It's the outside of the comfort zone. Like the fear is your compass when it comes to really changing your life because you're scared to let go of the old identity and step into the new one. So do something scary every day that's in the direction of your goal. Walk towards terror and also enchantment. Yes. All in, all in, <laughs> live in the duality of both terror and yeah. light and enchantment. Maybe not. <laughs> I love it. Jen, thank you so much. Uh, what, tell me a little about your tour. When do you start and what, you know, what cities you're hitting? Um, it's going to be a little one. So I'm doing Santa Fe actually is going to be my first one sometime in I'm, I think the book's coming out September 26th, but we're still designing it. So who knows? Uh, so we're still in the very, very baby stages of planning it. So I really don't know, but they can find out if you're interested. My website, jensinchero.com. You can also get there by youareabadass.com. Same thing happens. 
And if you sign up for my mailing list, you will definitely be notified. Instagram. I mean, I'm of course going to be screaming and yelling about it everywhere. So <laughs> cheers to you, Jen. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I, w- I wish you a wonderful day and, and thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, Lavazza, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.